Today's Transmissions podcast is brought to you by 80stees.com. 80stees.com has an incredible selection of Transformers shirts and hoodies, including some amazing Transformers costume hoodies. Transform into Grimlock, Megatron, or even Optimus Prime with the 80stees.com costume hoodies. There's Daryl. Hey, buddy. <laughs> He's been here all along. I know. He's been trading lewd texts with me. Yep. <laughs> Yoshi, are you there? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, you made it. (laughs) Hi, Yoshi. Good to meet you. How you doing, sir? All right. Now, have you listened to the podcast before? Uh, I am embarrassed to say I have not. uh, Way way to show your commitment, sir. (laughs) I I need to let you know right off the bat that I swear (laughs) up a storm on this particular podcast. (laughs) So it's all right. You you can join me if you like. All right. All right. Uh, Yeah. No, I actually do apologize. He's at work. He's at work. You've heard it all before. You've never listened to the podcast before, really? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine because, you know, we've got multiple covers and textures to talk about, so that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> y- Yoshi is our, our we're, we're easing him into the, the current comics. He's stuck in the, the Marvel, uh, yeah. or the Marvel G1 run. All right. No, no, I was buying Regeneration 1, so you guys decided to stop. Whatever idea that was. <laughs> yeah, you were buying it, but you weren't reading it because you haven't I'm finished the Marvel I'm not there yet. <laughs> this poor man's been waiting, like, what, 20 minutes for me? We should get going so he can go enjoy his life. Yes. <laughs> so let's start recording then. All right. All right. Oh, shit. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you haven't done that enough for me today. <laughs> Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the Transformers. On this special episode of Transmissions, we're going to sit down and talk with John Barber, the man at IDW in control of the Transformers comic book license, as well as the writer on Transformers Robots in Disguise and co-writer on the new Transformers vs. G.I. Joe ongoing comic book series. So put your toys away and make sure all your comic books are bagged and boarded. We're about to start Transmissions. Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast that is a huge continuity nerd. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team. Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hey! And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Let's talk Transformers. All right, and uh, this time we have a special interview episode with a very special guest. Since 2012, he's taken over stewardship of the Transformers Comics license. Under his direction, IDW Transformers Comics have grown by leaps and bounds. He not only writes one of the two anchor series, Robots in Disguise, he coordinates all the other Transformers comics to make sure everything runs smoothly and keep continuity fanboys and girls like us happy. 
And if that's not enough, now he's also co-writing the new Transformers vs. G.I. Joe ongoing series with Tom Scioli. Please welcome Mr. John Barber. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming, coming on. on. Yeah. Hey, welcome. That's one hell of an intro. <laughs> wow, yeah, I know. I'm... It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm out of here. Thanks. <laughs> I think you covered everything. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'd like to start off uh, since uh, we interview a lot of creative types. So was there a certain point in your life that you can look back on and say that was the point I chose to become a writer? Um, yeah, I, I remember when I was a, like a little kid, I, I really wanted to be like a rock star, you know, which I think is something kids want to be. Uh, and then somewhere along the lines, the fact that I like wasn't into music when I was a little kid must have caught up with me. <laughs> um, so, uh, cause I, like, I got super into you know, music, like in high school, but like when I was a little kid, I really wasn't, I don't know why I thought that was a viable like career option. Um, but it was somewhere between, it was somewhere in fifth grade. Um, uh, like, like that's where I really remember it. Um, and I, I got into the idea of, of, of writing and, and, um, uh, like, I just remember to the, like, I remember my, my teacher, Mr. Gardner, had this like he wrote like these little verses about everybody at the end of the year and uh, mine is something about like wouldn't it be fine if i got to write star trek number nine because uh, i also got really into star trek like that year or, or you know, within around that year because uh, i was a uh, i was a, obviously the super cool uh you know kid that was riding motorcycles and uh, all that kind of stuff um no i'm sorry um <laughs> but uh yeah so it was around then i don't i don't know exactly what you know, what, what, what did it? Um, I remember when I was into, in like junior high, like I really wanted to draw comics. Like that was like, the, like that was what I really, you know, really wanted to do. Um, but in, I could, I could easily tell the stuff I was drawing wasn't as good as, as like professional comics. Um, and I couldn't as easily tell the stuff I was writing wasn't as good. Um, so I sort of, sort of started getting more into the writing at that point. Um, although I, I mean, I was, I was a, uh, I, I went to school for studio art and, and, um, you know, that didn't, there wasn't enough to deter me from drawing. Um, but, uh, uh yeah, so I, I, yeah, started making my own comics, um, you know, in like high school all the way through college and after college. Um, and the writing stuff just kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know, worked out better. I, I guess part of it, I was, I was worked at Marvel and when I was there, I like remember seeing what really goes into making a comic book, like a, like a, a professional mainstream comic book um, in terms of the art and the level of commitment and skill to be really, really good at it is um, it's, it's, it's daunting, you know, if you're not, if you're not that, I mean, like it's a lot of like actual like skill you have to have then a lot of like a lot of hard work. Um, not that the writing isn't, I guess, but like, it's a different kind of thing. I mean, there's, you know, when you, when you see somebody drawing like a cityscape or drawing New York or whatever, and you, you just sit there and realize like somebody drew every, you know, every window and every, every line in that, in that thing and sat there and, and that's what they were doing. Um, but when you're writing, you, I, you can just write cityscape and you're done, you know, um, somebody else's problem at that point. Um, so I, I just kind of, I kind of got, got more into that at that point, I guess. <laughs> Laziness is what drove me to writing. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Marvel. So how did you break into the comics industry and what was your first paid work? Um, my first paid work was a, um, a comic that, uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, Albert was drawing for, uh, the guy that owned the comic book store that I went to, uh, Robert Scott who owns Kamikaze here in San Diego. 
um, they did a comic called The End. Um, and I'd known Robert for a few years at that point. I'd been going to the store for a while. And um, I was self-publishing some comics. Um, and I th- I actually, that that year, I actually, uh, Brendan Cahill, who like sort of coincidentally is drawing Transformer stuff now, um, he and I were roommates. And um, uh, we published a comic together. Um, and Robert, like, I, I think he... he was helping us. We were, we were working with him and setting up under him at Comic-Con that year. It's like we were sharing part of his table. Um, I don't remember how that deal worked out, but that somehow worked out. Um, but then he, he, um, he had, he, he, he was publishing this comic that he wrote called the end. Um, and it was, a uh, uh, Dave Wilkins, who's drawn, done a couple covers for GI Joe, but he's done a lot of covers for Marvel and for DC. Uh, his actual, like his first work was doing, um, the cover for this comic. Uh, and the, uh, they did a version of it. It was, it was a black and white comic and there were like digital gray tones on it and they weren't happy with the gray tones, but they liked the digital gray tones I'd done over Brendan. So they hired me to do like basically coloring, but in black and white. Um, so that was my first paid gig. That's a long winded way to get there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Tripped down memory lane. I hadn't really talked about that in a while. Um, but, uh, yeah. So after, after, like after that, I, um, I got into doing web comics. So I was doing a lot of, um, at my, in the like fairly early days of web comics, so around um, 1999, 2000, I think was when I started. Um, and uh, uh, so I was doing these web comics. Uh, went to grad school, and when I was out of grad school, uh, my now wife, uh, then girlfriend, and I moved to New York. And I just applied to like any job that sounded like remotely interesting or that I sounded at all qualified for. Um, apparently I, I applied for a job at Marvel it was like for like manufacturing coordinator or something. It was something I had no idea what it even meant, but it was like, Oh, Marvel, I'll apply for that. And I, uh, I literally forgot about it. Like I, I completely forgot about it. And I was doing this temp job where I was bug checking a website, which was like the greatest job in the world. Cause all it was, was making a website not work and then telling somebody I didn't have to fix anything or whatever. <laughs> Um, but I got a call from Bill Jemis, uh, and I thought it was my friends messing with me because I, I literally honestly did not remember that I'd sent a, an application into Marvel. And I actually had to look on my computer and find a cover letter that I'd written. And I was like, oh man, maybe that was Bill Jemis that called me. Um, at the time, uh, Jemis was the, uh, president of publishing at Marvel. Um, or he was, he was actually, he was sort of, um, ousted. He, he was, he was still at Marvel, but he wasn't, uh, sort of actively, uh, the publisher, uh, uh, Dan Buckley had just moved in. Um, but I came in and I had an interview with, uh, with Jemis and it went really, really well. Um, uh, somehow, like, somehow my resume had made its way to editorial and he'd seen my web comics. So, like, that's where he was bringing me in for that. Um, I went in for a quick four months of interviewing, um, and then got hired as an assistant editor. That was in, uh, I think 2004. So, uh, what were you doing before Transformers and, and what drew you to Transformers? Um, well, I was at Marvel for, I think about six years, something like that. Um, then I decided to leave, uh, cause I wanted to, I wanted to get into, um, get into writing. Um, so I, uh, uh, I, uh, quit that job. I, I'd always, um, like I always liked Transformers, you know, like I, I, I remember I, like I picked up the first Dreamwave issue. I wasn't like, um, like crazy into it. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I, I mean, I bought Transformers number one. I mean, that was a huge Transformers was the first comic that I like read from issue one. I mean, GI Joe was kind of the comic that got me really into comics, but Transformers was the one that like I started there from the beginning. Um, and I like, I wore out my Transformers number one and you know, I, I, I like, I, I, I loved the original series. Um, but I, by the time I was like maybe in high school, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't into it. So I kind of, I stopped reading it before, um, like Simon Furman took over the U S stuff. 
so yeah, like I'd missed all of that. Um, I was aware of like uh, uh, Beast Wars, but I wasn't. You know, I watched an episode or two and thought it was cool, but it didn't really. You know, it didn't impact me that much. Uh, the Dreamwave stuff I thought looked neat, but I, you know, I wasn't really into the stories. Um, I was, you know, I was, I was aware what was going on. Um, but when I was, uh, I was living in England for a while, and uh, I guess it was around the time the Dreamwave was just starting up. And um, a friend of mine out there, like, sort of described like who Simon Furman was and what the deal was with with, with his comics. The way, like, I think for people my age in the U.S., like the like GI Joe was a huge sort of like comic touchstone, you know, I mean, like, like the silent issue of GI Joe was probably the first time I ever thought of like the form of comics, you know, to get all, I don't know, hoity toity about it, but like, you know, they really thought about what made comics tick. Um, and I, I think that was a similar thing that people my age in the UK had with Furman's Transformers. Um, so when I moved out to New York, I remember getting a hold of some of the Titan paperbacks um, of the Transformers stuff, and the, the first one I got was the uh, was one that reprinted the um, oh, the name slipping out of my head, but the one where Ratchet and Megatron are fused together. And, oh yeah, the uh, price of life. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, that's going to sure. happen a lot. He's just going to yeah. quote stuff to you. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> it's great. His X Men power. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, um, so I mean, I was reading that, and I was about. I don't know, it would be like 28 or 29. And I was blown away by it and just imagining what it would have been if I was you know, like 10 or 11 reading that. Like that would have just fried my mind. Like that was, it was so, so fantastic. So I, I, I picked up as much of that as I, as I, you know, could around that time. Um, and I, you know, the first movie came out around that time. That sort of, you know, I saw the movie and um, I thought it was, I walked out of the theater and I was amazed that um, all the cars around me weren't like changing into robots and trying to kill me. Um, I'm amazed in a good way, but like, yeah, there's something really, you know, um, uh, you know, the, say what you will about the movies. I think one of the things that's really amazing about it is there's a sort of tangibility to the, to the, um, to the vehicles and to the, the, um, the mode changing in there that, that, um, I don't know, kind of, I don't know if it exactly drew me back in, but I was really, you know, like, it, it sort of drove me to buy some of the more, some of the other Simon Furman stuff I hadn't been reading or I hadn't read yet. Like, uh, get into some of the UK stuff. Um, so I was, you know, I enjoyed that stuff. Um, but, uh, uh, when I, when I left Marvel, my, uh, a friend of mine or somebody that had worked with Marvel, a friend of mine, uh, Andy Schmidt was the editor of Transformers here at IDW. Um, and he, uh, offered to let me pitch on, uh, what became sector seven, which was, a uh, it was a movie universe, um, comic about the, uh, the, the human, uh, spy group that, um, John Turturro was, was in charge of in the, the, uh, the Transformers movies. Um, so kind of not knowing what I was like stepping into that, like, uh, I mean that in terms of like the first comment I saw on a message board about the comic was, uh, Oh good. Maybe there won't be humans in the other comics if they're putting them all in this one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I started sort of, sort of started researching the, the movies and, and, um, uh, I sort of pitched the, I, I don't know, like the craziest version of, of what Andy had, had come to me with. And, uh, my pitch went through. So we started working on sector seven and that sort of led to, um, doing more movie universe stuff. Um, and then as that kind of came to an end, um, uh, that was around the same time that, uh, Mike Costa was leaving the ongoing and James was already involved, uh, at that point, but, uh, he had me pitch for what eventually became the robots in disguise comic. And, uh, uh, well, and then, and then, and then he quit and then Andy quit. And, um, like, uh, at, at that point I was doing a lot of, uh, graphic design work, 
uh, freelance. So I was doing like sort of design stuff and um, uh, writing Transformers comics. And it was on the one hand, it was amazing because I got my first ongoing series, and that was you know that's a big thing as a writer. I think you, you, getting an ongoing like that's that that's really cool. And then my my editor, who was responsible for one hundred percent of my comics writing work, uh, decides to leave comics and go to work at Hasbro. So I was I was a little nervous, but he was like, "Hey, do you want me to throw your hat in the ring to be the editor out here?" Um, and uh, you know, I, was, I, I didn't want to quit writing, but he's like explained that, like, unlike at Marvel, you 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 could write and and be an editor at the same time, um, not on the same book, um, you know, fortunately. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I did. I sent in a resume, met with Ted Adams and Chris Ryle from IDW, and uh, got hired and moved out to, to San Diego, and here I am. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I, I took that, that question a little further. I think I covered some other ground there. Sorry. No, that's great. <laughs> so you actually covered a bunch of the other questions we were going to ask you. So that's great. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to hear you guys talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, that's an awesome story because I, I think we're really lucky to have you, uh, both editing and writing. So it, you know, it's great. This, it's kind of a, a series of, you know, fortunate events that led to that. Oh, thanks. Uh, the, the funny thing was, though, I think I I was editing here before the first issues that I'd written of the ongoing of the of RID came out. So I, I, I've always thought it looks like I, it looked like I uh, got hired as an editor, fired Mike, and started writing the thing myself, um, <laughs> which which was not the order of events. And I'm still friends with Mike. <laughs> uh, so, what is your writing process like? Um. Well, yeah, all the writing I do is freelance. That means I, I'm not doing it at work. Um, like when, when I'm here at the office, I'm, I'm editing. Um, so any, anytime I'm writing, it's either at night or on the weekends. Um, lately, what I've, what I've been doing is kind of carving a day out, um, usually Sunday. Uh, and I'll just go down to – there's a coffee shop in my apartment complex. And I'll um, uh, take my iPad down there. I have a like a Bluetooth keyboard and uh, just sit down and uh, uh, just plug away as much as I can. Um, you know, it's, it's usually, you know, maybe try to do some work on lunch breaks or, um, after work is sort of difficult because it's, um, I mean, after work is difficult for writing, I think, you know, period, but people do it, you know, and get over it. The, the thing that's sort of hard is, is, is spending all day working on something very, very similar to what you're going to spend the night writing. Um, and I think that that's psychologically sort of difficult, you know, at least for me. Um, not that I don't like love it, but it, you know, it, it, it's, um, like it's one thing to go home and, and work on stuff that you like doing. that's different from your day job. And it's slightly different to go home and work on stuff. That's almost exactly the same as your day job. That's um, kind of the excuse I, I gave my wife for why I wanted a Mac. Cause I spent <laughs> all day supporting windows problems. <laughs> and she bought it. Right. <laughs> Did it work? I, I sorry. I yeah. Yeah. Remember. It worked. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> So what to, what do you use to like what do you write uh, do you use a Mac or and what software do you use to um, yeah I do I, I use a Mac um, when I'm uh, I have a Mac at home and I Mac at home um, IDW is actually all has Macs too okay so uh, it's sort of across the board and I use my my iPad I use Pages which is the uh, like the Mac kind of knockoff of of um, window of um, Word okay third party um, Word. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> pages like, like maybe five years ago was really, I, I really liked it. It was a really stripped down version of word. Um, and I could, uh, like I set up formatting in it, you know, so I could really easily, um, format my dialogue one way and my, my cap panel descriptions another way. You know, like I, 
I know you can do that in Word. I just, I literally couldn't figure it out, you know, but I could figure out how to do it in Pages. Uh, and every version of Pages is worse than the one that came before it to the point that it's, mm-hmm. it's super frustrating now. Um, the reason I do like it is that it can sync between, um, the iPad and, um, it syncs to the cloud so I can pull down the script at, at home and, um, you know, save it back up there and, and, and all that the thing I hate about that. And which has happened to me once is, um, the iPad doesn't actually store anything. It doesn't store a different copy locally. Here, let me get into super techie nerd stuff that drives me crazy. You want to talk about Java after this? Um, <laughs> we can. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, like, it doesn't save a copy locally on the iPad that's different from the version that's saved on the cloud. So if you sync it and the file is, gets corrupted at any point, uh, you, you just lose it. It's gone. And that happened to me with a script uh, one day that I just, uh, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of rough because I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd finished the script and was had even gone through and like fixed some, you know, formatting stuff. And I was really happy, you know, and I, I kind of didn't want to be, it was one of those days where I, I would have really rather been spending some time with my family, but I had to get the, you know, the script done. Um, and then I got home and tried to open it up and, uh, it was just gone and it was just like, like gone forever. And the, the tech support experience is sort of frustrating. But, uh, so I, now I, I like, I very carefully like, uh, uh, copy and paste in a notepad and keep multiple copies of stuff. Um, but it, it only it, takes one instant like that. Yeah, and you're just paranoid. Yeah, well, I was I was always really paranoid, and I was working at home and just using my Mac. That I'd I, like I'd email the script to myself, and then I'd I'd you know I'd, I'd save different versions of it. And like the thing that's sort of frustrating about the cloud computing is it makes all of that really, really difficult because it really tries to only have one version of the of the document. Um, but and then if anything goes wrong, it's gone. So anyway, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we use uh, Google Docs for like planning for this podcast and everything i don't know if you've ever tried that uh but i i it might not be sophisticated enough with its formatting and stuff it's pretty bare bones as a like a word processor yeah that's probably not a bad idea i mean i've, I've kind of looked into you know some, some other ones but i, I think that fundamentally the same problems there is the, if, if there's ever a problem on the on the version of docs on the on the on their cloud server yeah you, then, you know yeah then then it's borked yeah but anyway <laughs> Such is life. <laughs> so you've worked with lots of uh, different artists on Transformers. Is is there a particular artist that is easier or harder to work with? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the funniest way to answer that. Like, who should I sell out on this one? Uh, no, I mean, it's great. Like, I, you know, I get to work with like, I mean, all kinds of artists, um, you know, editorially, which is really cool. Um, and then getting to work with them, you know, in terms of like, you know, writer artists, it's it's a different relationship, and that's really, you know, really amazing too. Like Andrew and I, Andrew Griffith and I have been working together consistently for like, I think almost five years now, four or five years. I mean, it's been a long time. Right. We started on foundation, um, which was like, I, I, I was simultaneously writing the three, um, Transformers three prelude, or, you know, the two, two prelude comics and, uh, the adaptation. Um, and it was like, um, so that was like one of my first comics. That was his first. Like comic that he worked on, like solo, you know, like, like he'd, he'd done pages here and there on stuff. Um, but that was like his, his, you know, his first comic. So we kind of really kind of came up together on it, you know? Right. So I, I like, I, we, we trust each other a lot, I think. And I mean, I definitely trust him. I don't know if he trusts me, but I, I, <laughs> um, like I, it, it's an easy relationship because it's not like, it's not exactly that I know what he's going to do, but I know what he's going to do is going to be really good, you know? So, um, We've actually started working, uh, like, like Marvel style, um, in terms of the scripts, like the, the plot first scripts 
So I'll just write like sort of what happens on, on each of the pages and he'll draw it and I'll go back in and do the dialogue afterwards, um, which I'd never really done until recently, but I really enjoyed working with him on that. Um, and actually Livio, Livio Remondelli and I just did a thing in a, in a similar way, actually, well, in exactly the same way. Um, so that was kind of, it's been kind of interesting trying that out. I mean, I, I, working with Livio is a lot of fun too. Um, Brendan Cahill, who, you know, I work with now and then I've, I've known Brendan since college. Um, yeah, but like before I was working at IDW, I'd actually, uh, we needed to get a new artist on sector seven, um, the, which is like, the first comic I'd written. And so I sent some samples of Brendan's over to Andy Schmidt, uh, to see if he could, um, get Brendan to work on, on that comic. Uh, and then before I knew it, Brendan was drawing the, um, last story on earth sequence of, uh, the ongoing for, that Mike Costa wrote. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was cool. It worked out really nice. Um, so I've got to work with Brendan a few times. And, like, he and I, we used to be roommates. Like, we, like, there it absolutely is, like, sort of this, um, uh, you know, we know how each other are going to finish sentences or finish each other's comics. Like, he's, he's written stuff that I've drawn, you know, I've inked him, you know, like, like, like all this, all this, you know, weird stuff that you don't usually, um, you know, do with, with, uh, uh, you know, with artists. So I think, I think, like, Brendan and, and, um, yeah, you know, like Andrew is the only person I've had a similar sort of experience. You know that I, I really, I think, understand each other and 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 know how each other again. No, not know how each other are going to, not know what we're going to do exactly, but know like I'll know what an Andrew sized hole to leave in the script is. You know, like I, I, what I can leave out that he'll put in and make it work. You know, I don't need uh, if, if they're going through a door, you know, or they're going into a building. I don't need to describe the building too much. I can give him a couple words and he'll design a really cool building or, you know, he'll, he'll choreograph the, uh, the conversations really well or something. Um, uh, and like, and then Livio, I have a, just a tremendously great time working with and like, we'll you know, talk about stories and figure out kind of where, we're, where to go with stuff. It's, it's, you know, like they're, they're all, I don't know. They're, they're all fun. I've been really lucky to work with a lot of good artists. Cool. Yeah. We've actually talked to both Livio and, uh, Andrew, and uh, they have both uh, sung your praises. So uh. okay, I was, I was about to take it all. Back. I wanted to hear what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> so uh, what what is the best and worst part of uh, working at IDW? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the yeah you know, the best part. I, I, I yeah, I get to do this all day. I get to you know work on like that. That editors are allowed to write is 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 nice. I completely understand why. Um, Joe Quesada stopped that from happening at Marvel. And I think he was absolutely right to, you know, I think if you kind of look at Marvel in the late nineties, it was getting really sort of weird and incestuous in terms of you'd hire people to, um, you'd hire people because you knew you were going to get high royalties and they could hire you for oh, something. You know what okay. I mean? Like, like you'd have people, I don't, I don't know if that literally happened, but that had to be going on in your head when, when money was really flowing around in the nineties that, if I hire this guy to write a Wolverine story, he'll hire me to write a, you know, an Avengers story or whatever. I mean, I, that wasn't meant to point at anybody in particular. I was just naming two characters or two, you know, sets of characters. Right. Um, and I, I think there were some really good, you know, people that came out of that. Um, you, you know, like not, not all of it was, was dire, but I, I completely understand sort of Joe wanting to go in and, and, and clean house. And I think he was right, you know, right to do that. Um, for my own, you know, selfish reasons, I'm glad that it works out differently at IDW. Um, but like I said, I was sort of, I was, I was hired to be a writer, you know, before I was hired to be an editor. Um, so like, like that's, you know, that, that's probably the coolest part. Kind of the worst part is probably the, you know, almost the same thing. It's weird to switch hats sometimes, you know, that like I, um, 
I, I, I feel like it's weird that in uh, like I, I'm I'm sort of this, I'm the senior editor in charge of the the Hasbro comics, and I don't I don't really have much to do with like My Little Pony. Um, that's Bobby Kernow who's the editor on that. Um, Lilith's Pet Shop is David Hedgecock. But on like G.I. Joe, Transformers, and sort of anything in that vein, um, even if I'm not editing it, I'm sort of overseeing the whole line of it. And that creates sort of weird, you know, weird lines where, um, like I have to interact with, uh, like Andrew Griffith or whoever as an equal. Like the two of us are the author of the comic, you know, like, like we're, we're making the comic together. Um, but I think there's a weird, there, there's a weird bit of it where I'm, I'm also sort of the boss of both writer John and and Andrew. But it's I don't know. It's, it's something I I don't know. I don't know if like it weighs heavily on me is the right way to put it. I think that's <laughs> romanticizing it a little bit. But it's something I think about and I try to be conscious of. And I don't um, I don't want to abuse or or you know uh, like uh, Carlos Guzman edits all the stuff, all the Transformers stuff that I write. Right. Uh, and and he's a great editor, and he he doesn't let me get away with stuff, and and you know it, it, uh, uh, he like he, I, I don't slide through, you know, like he's 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 given me he's given me notes that have caused me to. There's one script that was completely written that I I after he correctly gave me some notes on it, I went back and completely wrote a different script. Um, so it's not like he goes, you know, like 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 thankfully he doesn't go easy on me, um, and he's you know he's got to be in charge of of RID and and. Um, you know, whatever else I'm writing. Uh, cool. So there you go. Uh, if you got the chance, uh, is there a comic that would be like your dream to write or edit? It doesn't necessarily have to be Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got Transformers. Um, uh, I mean, I edited Wolverine, um, and that would you know that, that, would, that would probably be up there for me. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would. This isn't a reflection on the 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 like current versions of them or anything. You know, like, like I don't mean to say like they're being done wrong or anything like that. That's not what I mean. But like, I, I'd, I'd love to get a, a crack at writing uh, fantastic four someday or, um, incredible Hulk, um, uh, black Hawk at DC, like the, the world war two version of the character is something that I've always really been into. Um, that probably has as much to do with just being into like world war two aviation stuff as anything else, you know, like a, uh, a, a black sheep squadron, uh, your comic would probably fill the same niche for me as a as a Blackhawk, but like, uh, uh, yeah, I really like uh, the uh, Mark Evanier Dan Spiegel run of that in the eighties, and the Howard Chaykin one after that. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of characters I'd love to I'd love to have a chance to work on. Um, I mean, Transformers definitely. Uh, I, I I got that though, so I'm good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so as a person in the comics industry. What do you think about the shift uh, from physical to digital comics and? Uh, where do you see the industry going in the next five to ten years? Um, yeah, it's it's been interesting to see. I mean, like I got my like kind of my start doing web comics, so I you know I've always had a like a foot in in um, digital. You know, for me, I, I think there's a real cool democratization of the of everything that happens with digital. That the barriers to entry are a lot lower. Um, the the reality that we've seen in the last in like let's say the last five years is, is I, I don't know if it's what anybody would have exactly predicted where like digital sales are have been increasing um, a lot uh, but not at the expense of print sales you know print sales have also been increasing um, and I think that's interesting and I think that that like I, I think there are unique um, physical attributes to comics that like don't map on to uh, well, really anything else. Um, 
you know, like, like, like music, the, the like CDs or, or records or whatever, have, like there, there's a certain like fetish, fetishization to the physical object. But the thing you've been, you're trying to get is the content of that. You know, like you're trying to listen to the music. Um, that's true of like movies and TV too, that the, the DVD isn't the object, you know, the, the, the TV show is, or the movie is, um, you know, it's not the celluloid, it's the image on the screen. Um, and with, with, with comics, I mean, even putting aside like, like a collector mentality, um, like the, the, there's a certain physical relationship you have with comics just in that it's images, uh, you know, laid out on the, on the, on the page. And it, uh, like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that has a different, um, uh, I don't know, sort of flow to it than like what digital did to the music industry. Um, like that said, I, 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 I read a lot of comics digitally. Um, uh, I've got like that, uh, Marvel unlimited, um, app that I think is really cool. It's got, I mean, it's, it's a terribly made app, but it, 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 it you can tell it's like an early adopter kind of app, but it's got like all the comics they have digitally and you pay a subscription for it. Um, I probably read like 200 comics this weekend, uh, cause my kid was sick and I was taking days off. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, so I, I, mean, I really like, you know, I, I like digital comics. I think it's anytime I move, uh, I get really excited about the prospect of, uh, of just having things digitally cause I wouldn't have to carry boxes and boxes of books cause my living room looks like a library of, of comic books. Um, um, and I, It'll be, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see where things where things go, where the um, Amazon ownership of Comicsology takes things. Um, I, you know, I, I think specifically like Transformers. One of the things, one of the really big benefits. I mean, I think Transformers comics have really benefited from from digital. Um, you know, because there are a, a whole lot of people who are fans of Transformers that like aren't fans of comics, but, are, but want transformers comics, you know, they're enough fans of, they're, they're fans enough of the brand or of the characters that they want to see, you know, every iteration of them that they can. Um, and I think you're going to see more of that like across the board, you know, in, 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 as time goes on, like, like transformers is probably one of the earliest things that sort of, you know, formed a really solid fan base, a really solid fandom um, around a particular uh your property it, in the way that it did. And I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Cause I mean, there, there are definitely people that are fans of other things, but um, there are fiercely loyal transformers fans that will buy every transformers comic and don't have interest in other comics. And that's fine. You know, like, like you should buy stuff you're interested in or you should read stuff you're interested in or whatever. Um, so I, th- I, I think you have a lot of people that maybe don't know how to get to a comic book store or aren't interested in going to a comic book store or whatever that are buying the stuff digitally. Um, I mean, Transformers are consistently, uh, IDW's best-selling digital comic. Um, if you look on like iBooks where, like, I think iBooks especially is, is, is tends to be like sort of the casual fans, you know, the people that are, that, that enjoy certain things. If you look at what, what's selling on iBooks, it's it, Walking Dead is usually really, really big. Um, and then the rest of the top five is usually, uh, My Little Pony and, um, uh, Transformers comics from, from IDW. Um. And I think I think that's that's kind of cool because I think you're getting the casual fan that um, you know that, that likes Transformers but isn't uh, isn't an expert in comics. Um, and I think that's the best the biggest benefit of, of digital. Um, I think it's got a little harder with the way Comicsology works right now, but um, but I, I still think it's a it's a great like entry point. It's a great place to stay too. Like you don't have to move on from there. Like you you know like, 
I know there are people that bought print comics that have moved on to comicsology, and that's all they, they want to do, which is great. That's fine. You know, I mean, to me, it, it doesn't matter how you're consuming it as long as you're eating it, you know, as long as you like it. Right. God, that was the most rambling answer to a, a good question. <laughs> and, and I just, I tell, like, I taught myself every answer. They're all rambling answers. And, uh, at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll try to keep drinking <laughs> my coffee and get more alert. <laughs> So, I mean, just uh, to follow on with that. So we, we talked about, uh, you know, I guess legal, physical, digital versus physical. What do you think about, uh, you know, torrents and, you know, downloading illegally? That's always going to be an issue for any kind of digital media. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, I'm not a fan of it. Um, <laughs> uh, like don't, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I I, I, I think, yeah, I think digital, there, there's a, um, there's so much stuff available digitally for free, legitimately for free, um, that it, 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 it definitely seems like less of a crime to download a comic, uh, that you haven't paid for than it would to, like, grab a physical comic and run out of a comic book store with it without paying for it. Um, like, despite, in a way, it, it being a, a well, I mean, you, you, you could argue they're not the same thing, but there, there, there are certainly ways that they are the same thing. Um, you know, so I, I, I think in a way, you know, culturally we've maybe devalued, um, entertainment, but I mean, we're in sort of the birth of this weird new world. Um, you know, I mean, and I know people have been saying that for probably 10 years, but it's been, it's sort of true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird sea change to be living through. You know what I mean? Like, like our, my, 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 my parents didn't deal with that. You know, like, like they had, they, I mean, I guess TV came in when they were a kid or you know, I mean, before they were little kids, but, but, um, yeah, the, the, like the, the, the idea that the whole, um, met, method of distribution and, and, and consumption of, of every media is going to change as much as it has. It's a lot to wrap your head around. Is this something you have conversations about over there? Like, how can you combat it, or what can you do to to make maybe digital more of an enticing offer so people don't pirate? Yeah, I mean, I think the the easier it is to legitimately buy it, the 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 more people are going to do that. You know, like the the more barriers there are, the more difficulty there is, because um, because it, it, it's pretty easy to get the stuff illegally. Uh, if, if it's easier to get the stuff illegally, I think. You know, it's a pretty hard argument to make that you should you should put more effort into losing money and getting something, um, you know, to 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 the to the reader. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely something we 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 talk about. You know, in a way, you're never going to be able to fight piracy, and you're never going to be able to, or you're never going to be able to do away with piracy, I should say. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be there. Um, and, you know, sometimes you really do, you know, you might, you might get people that are reading the stuff, you know, illegally, and then they're going to decide, oh, well, I should start, you know, start buying this. That, I mean, that happens too. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, like, like right now our, our digital sales are, are getting bigger and bigger consistently and our print sales, like overall are growing every year. Every year has been IDW's biggest year in, in terms of print and digital, um, you know, for the last, I don't know how many years. Um, so it's not, you know, it, you don't want to be caught unawares the way I, I think the music industry was. You know, like I think the music industry was really savaged by um, um, by by torrenting. Um, but I, I, you know, the comics have, have so far survived. I mean, you don't want to. I don't mean to like rest on laurels on that, but you know, so far we're weathering 
the, we're weathering the way the world works now. <laughs> I uh, I could grind you forever on this topic, but I think we've got some <laughs> limited time to work with. <laughs> Please uh, don't grind our guests, Yoshi. Hey. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's, let's move on to, let's go a little bit deeper into the IDW, uh, Transformers universe. Uh, so, so one thing that, that I've always wondered is, is there like a, a universe Bible that, you know, helps you keep all the different timelines straight or, you know, how do you manage that? No, when I, when I first started, I, um, I, I kind of like, decided to be like an ar- archaeologist or something. And I sat down and I read every IDW comic and I took notes on them and I put every event into, you know, the, whatever order you could, you know, there's some events you didn't know, you know, what, what order they happened in. But I made like a, I forget, it was like maybe a 40 or 50 page document that was from the beginning of, you know, from the earliest days of the IDW universe, which I think was the, uh, I might be mistaken, but I, like, I think it was when, when the arc launched, um, into the uh, Benzuli expanse um, up until, until stuff that wasn't out yet in uh, like, like chaos was just being worked on. So it was, it was like the, the chaos issues that were underway at that point. So I had that um, it's, it's, it's really difficult to read and it's not, I, I, I'm pretty sure I gave it to James just cause we were you know, sharing stuff back and forth. Um, but uh, like, it's not like, I mean, I wouldn't expect you'd be able to actually sit down and read that thing. So it was just crazy notes I made to myself. Um, that was well, probably, if you're willing to share a copy, yeah. I'd be happy to take it. <laughs> um, yeah, if it's out of date now, Charles would memorize it. <laughs> um, so there isn't there isn't really a um, you know like a Bible or anything like that. No, I mean there's it's we all you know work pretty closely together. I mean James and I you talk fairly frequently, um, and and you know we we try to let each other know what we're doing and and. You figure out ways to make connections and and not step on each other's toes and stuff. Okay, yeah. I mean that that's one thing that it's it seems it's been pretty noticeable with the two titles that there have been uh, connection points that have been showing up and uh, you know lots of things kind of feed into each other. So the all all of that is pretty intentional. Like you you manage that uh, pretty closely. Um, it's, I mean, some of it completely is. I mean, like I, I remember we both. We, uh, you know, like early on, we both separately came up with the idea of having characters open bars, um, in, in our idea more than meets the eye. And, you know, we were like just sort of talking about it to each other. We, we realized that was, yeah, they, they, they were pieces of the same story. You know, the, the, the Swerve's bar was, you know, like, like that, that, that was not unrelated to, to blur. And, and, you know, so we, we, you know, b- before a single script had been written, we 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 knew we we had that piece and, and sort of built that into something you know bigger. Um, so there's stuff like that. Um, so I mean, I, I'm sure there's stuff that we've come up with that you know very intentionally was was feeding from one comic to the other. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's one of us latching onto something somebody wrote and turning it into something else. Um, there's a few points where where uh, I think neither of us can remember who came up with certain parts. Um, yeah, the, the, the one of us might have come up with an idea that that sprung into something else, or like J- James always tells me that uh, you know, like how he's like, oh, quantum, uh, the idea that you came up with with the quantum drives is great. I'm like, no, I didn't come up with that though. Uh, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was I'm, I'm pretty sure Simon Simon Furman came up with that, but I don't even remember like putting it in the script. I think you might have done that. You know, like, yeah, uh, you're going back to like Death of Optimus Prime. Um, 
you know, so there, there's, you know, certain ideas that just kind of work out. I mean, a, a lot of it's, I mean, a lot of it is kind of done on the fly because we, you, I mean, you're, you're making these comics monthly, um, and you also have to kind of keep it fresh monthly. Um, I mean, James, I know, like, like absolutely rigorously plots the stuff out. I mean, I, I do too, to a certain degree. I think I'm a little looser, um, in terms of some of the details. Um, I, I, I think James, I mean, just kind of just the way we think about things, um, you know, is, 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 is slightly different. Um, but I mean, that's just like writing style, not like, um, not like philosophically. I mean, but like, uh, um, I don't know. Does that, did that answer the question at all? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have some, some follow up detailed questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, just, just following on that, it seems like you, you have a knack to kind of take, you know, plot points that have been, you know, that have come before and just bring them forward and, and create new interesting stories. I mean, one thing that, that sticks out for me. Uh, so this is going up after uh, robots in disguise number 30 comes out. Uh, but we noticed that, uh, you know, you're bringing this, this idea of ancient headmasters that was, you know, very briefly touched on from, uh, the heart of darkness miniseries. And I, I think at the time, a lot of transformers fans, thought that 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 was an error because the writers of that series they you know we thought they didn't have as much as good a grasp of the of the idw universe and had just uh you know kind of introduced an error but you're kind of bringing that forward and turning that into a, a rich backstory for galvatron so how do how do how do you decide like what kind of story points you you choose to bring forward and expand on yeah i i, I... When I went through it, and, and I mean, I sort of, I don't know, boxed myself into this that I, I, I you know, went through and, and made all these notes, and you start to see certain things that appear or certain questions that are left unanswered. Um, and I think, uh, like, I think I'd written my, 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 my big thing at, at around the, time, the same time that Abnett and Lanning were writing um, Heart of Darkness, and and I remember seeing the Ancient Headmasters thing, and I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Is it? I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, like that one in particular, I, like. It had it had kind of a, a nice ring to it, um, and it, it just sort of um, it, it's one of those things. Like I, I didn't set out to try to like explain that. I mean, like um, as much as I, I I do that kind of stuff, that isn't my. I don't know. Like, like going back and explaining old stories isn't necessarily the thing that I really want to do. Like like um, I don't know. Like there in in Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, the first Spider Man comic, Spider Man's got a, a a blue spider symbol on his back. And in Amazing Spider-Man number one, and from then on, it's red. Uh, and there's a story that explains why that happened. And I, I don't know if I'm really that interested in it. You know, I mean, the answer was it was a, they, they changed the coloring. You know, like that's not right. You know, they, they, they decided it looked better red. You know, or a colorist, you know, miscolored it at some point and they stuck with it. Um, you know, so uh, on, on the one hand, I, I, I don't. I, it's not my life's mission to go back and explain like those, those continuity things. But there's something about like let's say the ancient headmasters thing or something you know I hear that I'm like oh that's got a nice ring to it you know like like what 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 if there were ancient headmasters what would that have been you know like it would be a different thing than what a headmaster was in 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 Simon's books but it wouldn't maybe necessarily contradict anything and you know I I, I, I kind of kept thinking about it and um, yeah I think I I had Galvatron say something about it during um, Dark Cybertron. Right. Um, and, and then issue 30, yeah, you, you, you see the, there's a, whatever, a five or six page sequence of, you know, Galvatron the Barbarian, um, dispatching the last of these ancient headmasters. Um, by issue 33, I think, um, 
there, there's more to it than that. You know, like, like there's, there's like it's sort of grown into its own thing. Um, and I, there's, I don't know, there's something about that, 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 that phrase or that error or that, that possible error or whatever you want to call it that, that suggested a story that kind of kept building in my head as I, as I, as I looked at it. I don't know. Um, but to me, like where, where you wind up with it in issue 33 is more important than, oh, oh that's, that's solved, you know? Um, not to let anybody down. You know, like if you really, really <laughs> like those, 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 those fixes, like it's still fixed, you know, or it's, it still makes sense now, I think. But, um, you know, and I, I mean, I, and I, and I do, I do like, I enjoy taking the continuity seriously. You know, like I enjoy the idea that, that this stuff that happened happened, you know, like, like there isn't so much IDW universe or, you know, I don't know what you, whatever you call it. Um, there isn't so much of this continuity. There, there aren't so many of these comics that you can't sit down and read them all. Um, you know, the way that if you were trying to write you know, like Batman or something and, 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 well, I guess Grant Morrison literally did that. Uh, but, uh, the way you're trying to write like a character that's been around for 70 years, um, it, you know, it's not going to make sense. There's going to be stuff that didn't make sense. You know, the, the, the Fantastic Four doesn't make any sense for that. They tried to beat the, uh, uh, beat the commies to the moon, you know, if they, if they were launching their, their rocket in 2002. Right. Um, you know, so, so, so that phrase from Fantastic Four number one certainly doesn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, but I, but I like the idea that it's the IDW universe is still small enough that you can, um, that all that stuff can kind of make sense and it sort of builds a tapestry where everything, you know, counts and, and, and everything moves the story forward. Um, but like hopefully, you know, it's in a way that like builds on the past stuff rather than being like the thing I, the thing I hate is the sort of like vampiric, um, continuity building where, a character will show up on page 22 and it's a character you haven't seen for 15 years. Um, and it, it only matters if you read that story 15 years ago and the story only exists to remind you of this better story that you read 15 years ago. Like, that's not what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like I, I'd, I'd like to try to you know build this stuff forward and, and, and hopefully make something different and cool out of it, you know, without taking away from the previous story. But um, like, uh, I don't know, like Star Trek two to me is a great example of that, that, it makes Space Seed a better episode. You know, like it doesn't take away from Space Seed. It, it adds pathos to the end of that episode. Right. Um, and it doesn't matter. Like if you hadn't, if you saw Star Trek two and you'd never seen Space Seed, which was where Khan first appeared, um, Star Trek two is still a good movie. It still makes sense. You know, it still tells a story. It still has a theme to it and it still, you know, moves, moves the characters and franchise forward. Um, but if you were familiar with that story or you go back and you see it later, it, it, it all sort of adds together into this like sort of wider tapestry. Okay. So, uh, another thing, <laughs> <laughs> man, man, I am just like rambling. I am sorry. It's a, it's a, I don't know. Uh, this is why I, I was off for four days. I think I just have all pent up and, and, oh man, we're just, just hope, we're, we're hoping you slip up and give us uh, some plot details. <laughs> 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 which jazz die in uh, 30 is it 30 or is it not? <laughs> um. yeah so another thing i mean you've created a new and, and very interesting backstory for Soundwave and and given him you know kind of a a real motivation for being a decepticon and you know a hero worship for megatron and now you know going forward he's got a more prominent role in robots in disguise so are are we going to go back to those origins that were you know slightly uncovered in in issues twenty one and twenty two. Will we will we get any more information about that? Um, I don't 
think so. I mean, like, those were, uh, I mean, in a way that was kind of the, 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 the end of, of that. I, I, I felt like that sort of, I mean, I, I guess some of the new stuff that was introduced, like the idea of, of, um, uh, him fighting for equality and fighting to have the, um, is, is, you know, the, the animalistic cassettes, um, or, I mean, they weren't cassettes at the time, I guess, but like the animalistic, um, Cybertronians, um, be, being, being his equals in a, in a culture that wasn't treating him that way. I mean, like that, the, that, that's definitely going to be something that, that gets got back to. Um, but I, I don't know if we're going to be in a, I mean, like, I, I really just kind of wanted to, there, there, Soundwave probably more than any other character is, is somebody that, that is, is, I don't know, like behaves radically different depending on who's, who's writing him. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's a really different character in a lot of different, um, different mediums, you know, um, a lot of the different iterations of Transformers. He, he tends to radically change in a way that like Optimus Prime or even Bumblebee don't, you know, or, or Shockwave doesn't. Um, and, uh, you know, to me, writing that was almost kind of trying to figure out what makes, what, what, what made the character tick and what, what his sort of weird backstory in the IDW universe was. There's all these like layers to it that, that, you know, had, had, had existed, but hadn't, um, I don't know. I, they, to, to me, they hadn't really coalesced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to kind of figure out, you know, who he was. And also, I mean, just trying to kind of make him be like a good guy Decepticon. You know, like he's a Decepticon that believes in the cause because he really believes in the cause and he believes it's right. And he thinks they had to do things that maybe weren't okay, but it was for the pursuit of a greater good that he genuinely believes in. Um, and it, there isn't like a, there isn't like a sinister motivation to it. You know, like there isn't, there isn't, uh, um, I mean, like Starscream is just, you know, like a sociopath. Like he just wants power. Right. And that's not Soundwave. Soundwave genuinely believes in, in the good parts of what the Decepticons are fighting for. And he sometimes genuinely the, believes. Some, sometimes the best villains are, they don't realize that they're villains. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more interesting, I think, if the villain has a, a real, you know, point of view, you know, um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think like, like something like the, I mean, the, the Nazis made great villains in like Raiders of the Lost Ark and everything because their goals are terrible and their means for getting to those goals are terrible. So they're like, it's just evil. Like it's just, there's, there's no part of that that you can look at and say, Oh, that's, you know, that, that, that's okay. You know, but in the, like the fourth Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, which I, uh, well, you know, whether they're the fourth Indiana Jones movie, um, when they're fighting the, the, the Russians or the Soviets, uh, the, the means that the Soviets used to get to their end were terrible, but their end was, you know, it was, was, was equality. You know, I mean, like, like their, their ultimate goal wasn't evil. It was the, 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 the means they were getting to was, was the problem. You, you know what I mean? Um, like, like, I mean, you, you, you like, even at its worst, com- like the, the, the ideal of communism isn't as bad as the ideal of Nazism, you know, um, and, and, to me, that that's almost more interesting is that you could be you you could have been a Soviet who who believed that what Stalin was was fighting for was 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 a, a good goal to get to. Whereas, I, like, I don't think you could do that if you were a Nazi. Like, I don't think you could write a Nazi character that way. Like, like the ultimate goal they were after was was just awful. You know, like you couldn't you couldn't sympathize with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that, like that that was sort of where I wanted to kind of you know take Soundwave, and I think a lot of that stuff was sort of. He sort of bounced around depending on, on who'd written him in the IDW universe, and uh, you know, I was kind of trying to reconcile that and try to build a, um, you know, a, a take on him that has all those pieces. Um, but uh, uh, I'm not a communist. I didn't mean that. 
Have you or ever? <laughs> have you ever been? Oh, so Andrew Griffith, on the other hand. Um. <laughs> so um, another new thing that's been introduced in Robots in Disguise recently is uh, Jetfire's dock oh, bot. Yeah. So are we going to, I mean, this is always a thing for Transformers is like, is it a, is it a real Transformer with a spark or is it a drone or is it an AI? And so, and I guess we haven't seen what DOC stands for yet. Is that, is that something that's going to be explored? Oh uh, yeah, we'll find it. It's uh, it's actually D zero C, not, uh, not the letter O. Oh, okay. But, uh, uh, but that you'd have to really study the font, wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> Um, we'll find out what that means later. Okay. Uh, but he, uh, he, no, he, he like he's, 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 uh, he's not a, um, like he's, he's not a Cybertronian in the sense that he's a, um, you know, the weird, the, the weird thing is he's not a transformer. You know, okay. he's, he's not a trans, uh, you know, he's like the, 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 uh, calling him Cybertronians is like calling us earthlings, you know, like, yes, my computer is an earthling in the sense that it came from the planet earth, you know, but, it, um, uh, but no, Doc is not a, uh, uh, so a higher life form. Yeah. Well, he's maybe, he's maybe a very, very advanced AI and whether or not that means he has life in a meaningful sense is probably a more complex issue than, than it would be, than it is with Jetfire. You know, Jetfire certainly is, but, uh, Doc, I don't know. Jetfire seems to think he is cause he talks to him like he's a, a person. Right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, we'll see more, we'll, we'll be seeing more of Doc. He's, uh, there's there's a particular story I uh, have planned that I hope I can get to pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess another thing that uh, you explored in the I guess in the first couple of years of, of Robots in Disguise was the kind of government organization on Cybertron. I mean, I guess you know, for us as Americans, we you know the three branches of government and all that stuff. It's the the Cybertronian government seems a little bit. I guess simplistic. I mean, like yeah. Starscream getting quote unquote elected. And then he's, that seems to think he seems to think that means he's president for life and there's no accountability or anything. So I'm just yeah. wondering like if that's going to be explored or if like there's going to be a little bit more kind of checks and balances. I mean, I, I know in Windblade they're exploring that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think between, um, between Windblade. Uh, we will be going back to Cybertron, or, you know, we'll be checking back in in Cybertron in, in RID. Um, issue 32 is the first, well, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 30, 33 is when we check back in with Cybertron. 34 is when we find out more about ancient headmasters. I think I said the wrong issue number earlier. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, um, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, like that's a really, a really good question to be asking. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the, that's really a, a completely valid question. Um, in a way, uh, setting up Metroplex as the city that Starstream was going to operate under was Optimus Prime's way of sort of creating a legislative branch in a way. You know, you we were creating that check and balance. Right. That, uh, yeah, you're ruling Cybertron, but your city is literally an Autobot. You know, like, like y- y- if you mess up too far, like your city can, can very literally turn against you. Right. Um, the fact that Metroplex is still injured and still damaged, uh, creates another wrinkle to that, but that's sort of the general, you know, g- gist of what, uh, Prime was setting up. Um, there's another story we'll be seeing, um, soon, maybe even as early as Friday, um, that, that's going to sort of explore a little bit more of what, um, what, what's going on in Cybertron, um, uh, I, I think it's 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 uh, 
uh, along the same timeline as as Windblade. I mean, I mean, Marigreed is definitely working. You know, we're all working really closely together to make sure this is all a coherent thing. And even if there if there's uh, things that don't seem to line up timing wise, by the end of them, it will be apparent what what order um, things happen in. Okay. Um, uh, sorry to be cryptic there, uh, but. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, they, like basically there is no constitution for, on, 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 uh, Cybertron. Starscream wasn't really elected in any meaningful way. Um, they just, he, he, he sort of seized a wave of popular support, um, in, in RID 16 and has been carrying that through. Um, and uh, I think he definitely sees himself at the mercy of if everybody decides he's not the leader, he's not the leader, you know, and, right. and, um, that's sort of the game that, that, that he's playing. Um, I think at some point, I mean, I think there's only so long you can go. I mean, that was, that was something I think Bumblebee was, was looking at when they were talking about having elections was you're going to have to come up with a, a, a like a workable governmental framework for this new world. Um, and I think that's, if something doesn't get Starscream before then, that's going to be something that Starscream is going to have to deal with. Um, and one of the, and one of the things would, when I first brought up the idea that Starscream would sort of take this political role, um, Andy Schmidt was the one who really said, "Like, well, like, what if he's good at it? You know, like, like, what, what if that's what he's really, really good at?" Um, and that, that's sort of the thing that I think um, has been driving, you know, me, you know, the, the way I see Starscream is that this is this is the thing he's actually skilled at, you know, more than anything else. And uh, I mean, he's he, he's a terribly good fighter. Like, he he he, he really is good at fighting. Um, but that's not where his interests lie. He, he, he's, he's what, what he wants is power and he'll, he'll do whatever he can to maintain it. Um, and he's good at maintaining it. And it, it you know, it's, it's a tough situation, but I think already, I mean, in terms of actual numbers of issues, I think he's maintained it longer than Bumblebee had. Um, so it'll be, you know, yeah, the, the, those are completely valid questions. And that's definitely something we're, we're, we'll be exploring further. Yes. Cool. I could have just said yes. I could have just said yes. <laughs> does Does anybody know that he has Wheeljack in a jar somewhere? Uh, nobody does right now. Okay. Um, uh, are solicits for thirty three live yet? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No reason. <laughs> okay. I guess just to to finish up the the Cybertron topic. I mean, the 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 political situation is one big change, but you also had a pretty huge change to the planet itself yeah. like uh you know with going back to that kind of primordial natural state and i guess we see like some actual flora and fauna on cybertron so i guess one question is is there some kind of ecology on cybertron with like you know like turbo foxes or like little animal cybertronians or things like that or like do you envision something like that yeah definitely yeah yeah that's one of the things like uh uh andrew is exceptionally good at drawing that stuff um and i think the you know the issues where we got to go out in the wild were were really interesting and see the sort of different um regions of cybertron and the different sort of flora and fauna that are that are there uh we definitely haven't explored it you know too much i mean the um like like, like turbo foxes i think at one point we set up that we explained that they're um basically just a, a, a like autonomic functions attached to a brainstem they're not they they're they're more like jellyfish than they are like um um like an actual fox you know okay like an actual fox has consciousness and and you know like I mean like I've I've got a dog my dog likes certain things and doesn't like things and 
you know, uh, you, you, all the things a dog does that are very similar to what we do. Um, and a turbo fox in particular isn't, isn't like that. Um, but that, that doesn't mean there aren't other animals, you know, running around Cybertron that are the equivalent of, uh, of a fox or something. We just maybe haven't seen them. Um, that'd be really confusing if they were literally the equivalent of a fox and we had something called turbo foxes running around that were not the equivalent of a fox. Um, <laughs> So probably aren't things similar to foxes running around, but there are things maybe like dogs then. Uh, <laughs> the version of our version of Fox and the Hound would be Ravage and a, uh, and a jellyfish. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was mixing metaphors there. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's definitely something I want to kind of get, get, get back to. We definitely, you know, focused it more on the, on the political side of things. And then, you know, uh, um, your dark Cybertron was, was, uh, uh, he had his own set of, uh, um, uh, objects that were the, at the forefront of things. Um, and then Windblade's been very centered on the city itself, which I think is important. You know, right. I think we need to establish what this, what the new city is. But, uh, in issue 30, 33, we get out a little bit and we find out a little bit of what's going on outside of the city. Um, but there definitely is still, still an ongoing concern on Cybertron. So, uh, just switching gears a little bit, uh, to, the Transformers versus GI Joe, uh, series, which right. it's, uh, you know, it's something we actually, uh, talked to Tom Scioli a couple of months ago. And oh, wow. okay. yeah, so it, it's, it's really something that's really, you know, like, I, I, I just, uh, I wrote the question that he, he's either crazy or a genius with this series. I mean, it's possibly both. <laughs> it's, it's really out there. So like, how did that come about? What are your goals for that series? Where, <laughs> what do you want to, you know, I guess what, what is this, what is this bringing to the table and how, and you know, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, that's a valid question. I mean, IDW as an entity had wanted to do, uh, Transformers, uh, GI Joe comic for a while. Um, our, the Transformers and GI Joe universes that we've created at IDW, like we didn't, IDW didn't get the license to both these, like, like at the same time. So there's some you know, distance in, in, in when these, when the characters were introduced and, and they they were distinct universes. Um, and I, I, none of us, you know, like, like me, uh, the, the, the writers, um, Michael Kelly at Hasbro, none of us wanted to like sort of tear down what we built, um, you know, in, in either universe, you know, um, by, by either erasing it or, or trying to mash them together or something. Um, I mean, so something like, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys read any of the GI Joe stuff, but the Mike Costa Cobra series was I mean, just an amazing piece of fiction. Uh, the, um, uh, uh, Chris Gage wrote it and Antonio Fuso drew it or uh, Chris Gage co-wrote it with, with Mike in, in the beginning. And then, um, Antonio Fuso drew, um, drew the series. Um, and, and like that one in particular is sort of hard to reconcile how that would maybe function in, in the same world that like all hail Megatron had happened. Um, so, you know, we had this idea that we wanted to do a Transformers GI Joe series, but not set it in either one of the continuities. And, you know, it was really, what would we, you know, what would we do with it? The, the idea maybe came up that you'd combine uh, Real American Hero with um, Regen One, but like Simon had a, a Simon Furman on Regen One and, and Andrew Wildman too uh, had a real specific story they were telling. Like that was from the beginning. That was a, that was going to issue one hundred. I mean, that was that was that was the end of the story that they wanted to tell. Um, I mean, we would have happily kept going, but um, that was you know the, that was a story, and there wasn't. There wasn't room to do a GI Joe story in there, you know. Yoshi, now you know who to blame. That's it, Simon. It's all Simon's fault. Uh, <laughs> all right. 
Um, you're you're causing some cognitive dissonance for Yoshi there. <laughs> He's got to blame him, but simultaneously praise him at the same time. Um, but uh, so, like anything we were kind of coming up with, with I don't know, it wasn't clicking. It wasn't interesting. You know, like like would you do another like modern take on him? Well, yeah, that makes the most sense, I guess. But like, what would be the difference between that universe and 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 our universe? Uh, do you do like a retro take? You know, do you do like like the Transformers cartoon meets the GI Joe cartoon? Uh, you know, I guess, but then you just wind up with this like sort of nostalgia comic that doesn't necessarily connect with like people you know today. I, I, you know, I mean, like, there's a lot of. I mean, there there have been new Transformers fans consistently for thirty years, and not all of them are going to want to go back to the the eighties stuff. You know, and, and uh, much as I like it, you know, like like maybe just doing this nostalgia book wasn't going to be it. And I was uh, um, Tom Scioli, uh, like just cold called IDW. Like he just happened to send an, uh, an email to like IDW letters. Um, uh, I forget what he, I don't even remember what it was, but I, I started talking to him about doing a cover for another comic. And I was uh, I was home and I was reading um, I was reading some comics. I was reading um, uh, East of West, which is one of my favorite comics. Uh, Jonathan Hickman writes and Nick Dragada draws. I was looking at that, and I was remembering the two of them had worked on Fantastic Four together. And and when uh, Dragato was drawing Fantastic Four, he was doing it a little more like Kirby-ish, you know, like like he was he was tweaking his style a little bit to be a little bit more Jack Kirby. And somehow, all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute, what if you know what, what if Tom Scioli worked on GI Joe and Transformers? Um, so I, I emailed him the next day, and I had no idea if he'd have any interest in it. But I got really excited about this. I, I came in, and like the next day, I was like saying to Carlos. Hey, listen to this. What if, what if Tom did this? Um, and I, I, I emailed him, and it, it, it turned out he was he was very interested. And um, uh, I actually didn't learn this until a couple of days ago. But he uh, he had pitched. He had no. He, sorry, he hadn't pitched. He had created a a pitch for um, I think it was like the Howling Commandos storming Asgard um, that he was going to send uh, to Marvel for the Strange Tales anthology, which I actually had edited for a time. Um, and 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 neither of us like sort of realized that until about a week ago. Um, but as, as soon as he heard that, like that sort of like that sort of clicked. And then he started, I don't know, he just sort of dove into a lot of research and a lot of um, ideas about about Transformers and GI Joe, and the story sort of morphed out of there. Um, so that was like, that was the origin of it. He just got super excited about it, and and uh, um, uh, I sort of insinuated myself into to to co-write it because I. There, there were a couple. There's a thing that happens in issue one that I really wanted to have happen on a on a Transformers versus GI Joe story, and it's 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 sort of telling that it's Transformers versus GI Joe, not GI Joe versus Transformers. If if that makes any sense. Yes, it um, does. <laughs> that that you'll you'll sort of see um, the 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 like every issue has sort of a different flavor to it. Uh, the zero issue is very much a GI Joe comic where where the the Transformers are 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 there. But by the time you get to, but but well, issue two is very, very, very Transformers focused or very Cybertron heavy, let's say. Um, and and so there there are pieces of story that I wanted to tell, and Tom and I just started talking, and he was he was cool with the idea of trying to co-write it. Um, and and um, you know, our our goal is to really do something really different, uh, really different from what from the, the the approach and the style of what we're doing on any of the other gi joe or transformers comics um are really different i think from the from what anybody's done anywhere um i think it, in, the, in my head in the beginning it was going to be sort of a kirby pastiche and it 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 uh, maybe it was like that in tom's head too for a minute i don't know but it did it, it, it moved away from that really really fast um into something that 
that I think is really more interesting. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a bizarre comic. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to describe what it's, what it is exactly. Um, I, I, like, I, I don't think it's retro or nostalgic at all. Um, I, I just think the, the sort of techniques that, that we're using on it or the Tom's using on it, especially, I mean, um, uh, I mean, like I, uh, uh, part of me wants to take credit for everything, but it's, I mean, it's like anything like, uh, it came with a, uh, a way of saying it that I think was a good way to, to put it somewhere else, but it was, um, uh, it's like if we were doing a, it's, it's like, this is a Wes Anderson movie, Tom's Wes Anderson. And I'm, uh, uh, like Owen Wilson co-writing it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, it's still got to end at the end of the day, it's got to be a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, right. it doesn't mean that I don't have a role in it or something or that I don't have pieces in there, but the pieces that I put in there have to be towards the, the end goal of, 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 of how this is going to feel. You know, like it's a very different book than, than, than our ideas or something. Um, and, and uh, sort of sort of pushing what, what we can like, there's stuff we do in there that i don't know seems so deceptively like simple but like the the amount of things tom has going on at any given moment are are, are incredible um you know, like like i i write reasonable panel descriptions most of the time but i felt like for tom if, if i if i'm not if i if i write a panel description and it isn't impossible to draw i'm doing it wrong um <laughs> You know, like there's a, what, what's one of the pages? Like there's a a page in the issue zero. If you read that, where yeah, um, between two panels, the the creeper bomb, uh, you know, has exploded and it completely wraps up the rattler that uh, Cobra Commander and Baroness are in. Uh, Snake Eyes lands on there and and uh, uh, gets ready to, to attack with his sword. Uh, Cobra Commander's pulled his gun. Meanwhile, Starscream's wrestling with with Bumblebee, uh, and they've just come into the come, come into scene. Starscream's just turned into robot mode. They're being attacked by by Cobra. Uh, uh, roadblocks flying by, and and thinking about how these are Cobra drones, um, and then wondering why the Cobras are shooting at them. And it, like that's an impossible number of things to put into a, a panel, but it, it's crystal clear when you look at it. But there's no there isn't like a like it isn't like you go back and this is. It's like you go back and this is what GI Joe comics were in 1982. They weren't, you know. I mean, they were great, but they weren't like this. Um, so uh, it, it's, I don't know. It's sort of trying to use some of the tools or the styles from the past, but to make something that's that's um, you know wholly modern and wholly um, different. I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be divisive. You know, I mean, I think there are people that are really not going to like it, and that's okay. But you know, hopefully, we'll win them over. Yeah. I know Tom's goal is to win over every single human being on Earth and be selling about seven billion of these by the time we're done because everybody <laughs> on Earth want, wants one. And I can't fault him; I'm with him on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're looking forward to it. So uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate you giving it a chance too. Like, uh, um, you know, I, I think everybody's been. Every, I, I mean, the reaction to it's been great. You know, I, I'm just happy that. Yeah, I know there are people that don't like it, but I'm I'm, I'm happy people are giving it a chance. And you know, you yeah, like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't have to. It's okay. There are other comics. <laughs> <laughs> So uh just uh we'll finish with a just a couple of fun things. Um so uh, I guess since you haven't listened to some of our other interviews, well, maybe you should talk to Andrew Griffith and John Paul Bolve. Uh but uh, so they they've introduced kind of a running joke. There's an old character from the Marvel comics his name is Jake Dalrymple. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm familiar with his Twitter account. <laughs> okay, all right. So yeah, so um you know, and 
Well, I, I think we can ask on behalf of Jake, uh, since R.A.D. is is back on Earth for a little bit, is, is there any chance we can, you know, get a cameo for Jake uh, in a future story? Well, I, I guess odder things have happened. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, I think some characters are going to see. There's some some human characters we're going to see. We're going to be on Earth for a while. I mean, uh, uh, we, we'll be checking in on Cybertron. Like, we'll be. Uh, I mean, the thing with R.A.D. is like they're not they're not stuck on Earth at this point. Right. You know, Cybertron's probably. A few days away, you know. Right. I, I don't know. I'm trying to get too specific with how, how long it takes to get there. Like, it's a it's a trek, but it's not you know it's not a diff, it's not an it's not an un- insurmountable one. It's a cross country uh, flight. Yeah, well, longer than that. But uh, <laughs> drive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like driving to the moon. Yeah. It's 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 not too bad. Um, no, uh, but uh, we'll see about uh, what Jake. I don't know. Yeah, we, we did see, we, we, did, we did notice, I mean, some of the IDW human characters have come back, like, uh, in, in issue 30, Dr. Bar Wayne, I guess he was, he's a previous character. Yep. And, uh, I guess, you know, a lot of people are looking for both Verity and Spike for different reasons, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yep. At least one of them might show up. All How right. About that? <laughs> uh, it, so, uh, prior to, uh, issue 28, uh, Dr. Barwaney was the only human character that I've written in the IDW, uh, Transformers universe. Uh, oh. he was in, he was in the Bumblebee spotlight. Oh, right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess, uh, just a couple of other things. So are there any, uh, good books you're reading or what was the last, uh, what was the last good book you read? Uh, you know, last good book I read was Dune. Uh, I read that, I finished reading that a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Um, so, uh, uh, I'd never read it before. Uh, quite a, quite a book. Actually, I, I was reading it while I was, uh, going to the Dubai, uh, the Middle East Comic Con in Dubai. Oh, right. Uh, so I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I have all sorts of details of, uh, Dubai confused with Arrakis. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, I, 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 like, used to be a voracious prose reader and, Having a three-year-old can uh, help kick that habit. Uh, <laughs> if you're if you're reading too much, have a baby. Um, but uh, uh, but actually, I, I read a ton of comics, so I, it's, it's probably just my own cool my own decision. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any guilty pleasures? Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I eat too much ice cream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we know, uh, you're going to BotCon this year. Yep. Uh, anything, any other conventions on your schedule this year? I mean, you've been to the, the Middle East one, but, uh, like any more Transformers ones, TFCon or Auto Assembly? No, I think the next, uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, definitely be at BotCon. And I think the next one after that is going to be, um, San Diego, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else the year holds for me, but, uh, okay. that's, that's all I know for sure. So, uh, so this, this, uh, this show is going up, uh, right before BotCon comes out. So feel free to spoil any IDW announcements right here, uh, right before the show. <laughs> We're going out of business. No. <laughs> um, no. Uh, we're all going to have a great time. <laughs> yeah. And I'll see you there. So hopefully I yeah, can. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd be great. Up yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stop by. We'll be, uh, we're actually going to be connected to the Hasbro booth this year, from what I understand. Um, so, uh, uh, I don't know what that's going to mean, but, you know, we'll be there. We'll be, uh, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of, you know, I'm going to be there. Andrew Griffith, um, 
Marguerite Scott, Sarah Stone's going to be there. Um, in her, I think in her first uh, BotCon. Um, Jake, uh, 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 yeah, it's going to be a, Jake a, Dalrymple. Jake Dalrymple <laughs> will be there. I'm sure he will be. I'm sure we'll see some Jake, Jake Dalrymple cosplay, won't we? Well, you know, Andrew has that. Um, he'll give something free away if someone comes up to him in cosplay. <laughs> in Dalrymple cosplay. <laughs> Um, so one thing, uh, that, uh, we, we talked to Margaret Scott and Sarah Stone, uh, and, uh, I guess one thing that, uh, I guess Andrew Griffith did this last year at TFCon that he had some blank, uh, sketch cover comics. Uh, are you planning to have any of those for artists to, to draw on at BotCon? Uh, we did the uh, BotCon exclusives, um, last year. We, we did one for each of the ongoings. Uh, which is already more than BCI and Regen. Um, we saw one of one of the RID thirty covers is labeled BotCon exclusive. Yeah, um, yeah. So th- this year, our exclusives we're going to have black and white uh, sketch ver- or sketch versions of the uh, Guido Gui thirtieth anniversary covers for RID and more than BCI. Um, there was a, a bizarre scheduling thing with uh, Windblade that caused there to not be one of Windblade. So right now it's just the two ongoings. Um, so those will be our exclusives there. I'm not sure if we'll have any of the um, the blank sketches, blank sketch covers left. Uh, but I know we are planning on doing more of those on the books in the near future. Um, a lot of people like those having to sketch on and stuff. Um, so again, that's the longest winded way I can answer. Possibly, uh, but we're, <laughs> they're not our. They're like we're not we're not doing some exclusively for the for the show, right? Uh, this year, but we there will be more of those though. Okay. I guess one thing, like regularly, we see the retailer incentive covers, and you know those are always kind of hard to get. Is the, is there any way to kind of do like a direct from IDW uh, subscription service specifically for the retailer incentive covers? Uh, no, that's. I mean, that's sort of. I mean, they're they're hard to get as a like sort of. I don't know how the, what the right way to say it is. Like a thank you to retailers. You know, like the the way they work is is if a retailer orders a certain number of of of, of comics, they get one of these for free, and they can sort of do with it what they want. Um, whether it's like charge a high you know cover price for it or high, or a high price for it or give it to a loyal customer or whatever. Um, and I think would be sort of undercutting that relationship with the retailers by um, by by you know selling them direct. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's, I know it's frustrating as fans. Um, but I mean, we do re, we re, it's a small consolation, but we do reprint them in the, you know, the paperbacks. But, um, so you're looking at the art. I mean, it, that can be got, but, um, it, it, it's, you know, uh, uh, that's, that's sort of the collectability of them is that they're, they're, they're rare. Right. Those IR, IR, RI covers cause some fights at my local comic book store. Jeez. <laughs> they can only get two of them at mine, so there's usually a, a lineup of a couple guys wanting to get them. So, who's ever first in the door gets them. <laughs> yeah, geez, wow. Well, yeah, see so if you can make a deal and order. You know, just to, to, to buy like a hundred copies of each issue. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> problem solved. Yeah, exactly. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> uh. So, I mean, I guess, you know, the big thing with Transformers, of course, is toys. So do you collect any of the toys? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it was actually, it was, it was, it was, it was sort of funny. I, um, I, I didn't think of myself as, as, as somebody who was going to collect that, collect toys. Um, 
Yeah, when I, when I was at Marvel, you'd get like some of the the, the Hasbro toys and, like float around the offices, and yeah, I had like a I had a couple random ones, but I wasn't like actively going out and buying them or anything. Uh, as soon as I got the job writing Transformers stuff in the movie universe, I went out and bought all of the all the Transformers or all the characters that I was writing. You know, just as many of them as, as existed. Um, so uh, uh, you know, occasionally I, I literally have a giant box full of Transformers that since I got back today have been slammed and haven't had a chance to open. Um, so I'm, I'm curious what's in there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, not, I mean, there are definitely some, uh, uh, Transformers creators that are, are way bigger toy collectors than I am, but, uh, I do frequently peruse the aisles at, uh, uh, Target and Toys R Us, uh, you know, checking those out. Have you gotten a wind blade, uh, figure yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Uh, they're not out yet, are they? No, but I figured you might get a advanced fig. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, well, actually, sometimes <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't have that. <laughs> well, a lot of people are looking for that one. Yeah, no, I will be too. Uh, I've got a pink RC uh, that uh, 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 Mark, uh, somebody at uh, uh, Hasbro uh, gifted me. I don't know if I should say his name because I don't know if I'll get in trouble. I'm pretty sure it's okay, and I'm just not saying his name and being a jerk. Is, is uh, it the new RC or is it just a? Okay. No, it was the it was a Prime RC, but it was like a, I think a New York Comic Con exclusive. Ah, uh, okay. So have oh, you yeah. seen like a couple of the toys that have been leaked, but we haven't seen any pictures of are like the new RC and Chromia that from the recent comics. Have you seen any of those yet? Or like, uh, know, there's a, I mean, there, to be honest, there's a lot of stuff that uh, gets done with the toys that I'm not aware of. So I'm not, uh, okay. uh, we, we have a good relationship. We have a really good relationship with Hasbro, but a lot of stuff, I mean, things change there and I might think something's happening and it turns out not to be right. So yeah. Um, uh, or it's happening a different way or what, whatnot. Um, I mean, likewise things happen, you know, I'm sure they have, I'm sure if you talk to somebody that's designing the toys, they have exactly the same thing to say about the comics. Um, but, uh, uh, so I, I try not to comment on any of the toy stuff. Right. So <laughs> I guess uh, just a, a quick question about that. What is the process between, uh, you know, IDW and Hasbro? Do you have to like, just submit scripts to them or do you just run story ideas by them for approval or how, how does that work? Well, uh, everything gets sent to them for approval. Um, you know, every, every, all the, every page of art, every, every script, um, usually we'll like send, you know, an outline or we'll sort of verbally, you know, explain where we're going with the series. Um, I mean, Transformers specifically, we've got a lot of mutual trust built up. Um, you know, and we, we work to not spoil that. But, um, it, it's, you know, uh, uh, my main point of contact there is, uh, Michael Kelly, who's, who's great. And when he gives, you know, notes on things, they're, they're, they're good points. You know, you know, like if he, if he comes back and he's like, Hey, here's, here's something, it's, it's a story thing. It isn't like, um, you know, some, uh, I, I mean, it, like it's all, it's, it, it's, it's really good. Um, when we were working on Dark Cybertron, it was it was uh, like James, myself, and Phil Jimenez all went out to the Rhode Island headquarters, and just, we were in a room with with Michael and with uh, Mark Weber from the uh, Transformers brand team was like just fantastic as well. Um, Andy Schmidt was there at that point, I think, when we first started it. Um, we were all just you know uh, uh, sort of you know, spitballing ideas back and forth, and, and everybody's throwing out ideas you know that were. You know, you, that made it in or didn't make it in, uh, you know, as depending on merits and depending on how the story went. Um, but it's a, I mean, it's really, you know, it's a pretty organic process. I mean, you know, um, 
Yeah, so I think I, I remember, I think I was telling Michael, like he, he and I were talking about where our idea was going to go. It, it might have been BotCon last year. I think we had a breakfast and I was kind of pitching him on the, uh, you know, they're going back to Earth and, and, and here's what the Decepticons are up to and, and, uh, or what, what, is it, what, what Galvatron is doing with this new group calling themselves Decepticons. Well, maybe not everybody who had identified as a Decepticon would consider them Decepticons. Um, yeah, so it's, it's in 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 practice, I would say that it's um, it's no different than what would go on at like Marvel or something. You know that that um, with with maybe like sort of Hasbro and Michael being like in the editor in chief role. You know that that you'll talk to them about stories, and they'll if they have ideas, it's because they're like smart and talented, and and you know are are, are giving good story ideas and good good notes on things um and uh, uh you know it, it's it's a i don't know it's, it's it's very very healthy it isn't it isn't like the horror version of of i think what people imagine licensing stuff to be um yeah i think with with transformers and it's gi joe i think it certainly helps that they've been comics as long as they've been you know anything right um so there's there's you know 30 plus years of of uh, like sort of inbuilt knowledge on both sides of, of, of how the stuff, you know, works, I guess, or how you know, the different sides work with each other. Right. Um, that's great. I mean, I really, uh, uh, Michael's a really good friend and, and we get along really well. And I, yeah, I, I, I absolutely like talking to him about the stuff. It's fantastic. And he's, he's really good. Mark, again, Mark Weber on the rant team is just fantastic too. He's really, really good at this stuff. Cool. Well, if, I mean, Next time you talk to them, if if uh, if they're interested, we'd love to have a chat with them on the show too. If if they're willing to oh. go on, yeah, I'll, I'll mention that to them. Yeah, yeah, that would yeah. be great. Uh, so I guess uh, this is the last question before we get into the the rapid fire section. Okay, you're already combining Transformers with GI Joe. That's kind of a, a you know a well known pairing. Is there any other property that you would cross over with Transformers that and that you think would be a cool story? Uh, yes. And it might happen. So I don't want to say it. Okay. Um, the, you know, you know, I mean, like this is, this is, this is super low hanging fruit and this is like kind of maybe only of interest to people that are already into transformers. I don't know, but I would love to do, like, I, I, I would love to cross over with death's head, you know, like I, I uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I know I mean, like I've been a fan of what, uh, Kieran Gillen has been, you know, he's had him show up in, um, Iron Man and I think he had him show up back in, um, uh, sword when he was writing that. Um, I know like, like Kieran's a good, uh, well, he's a, he's a good egg and he's a, I think he's, a, uh, I believe he's friends with Simon. Um, you know, he's certainly somebody that, 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 you know, read, read that stuff. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, particularly the, the current, where the character is now, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to do. Um, cool. So there, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, there, there, there's something else that's, uh, well, we'll see. All right. So stay tuned. Keep your keep your eyes and ears open. Do not blind and deafen yourself right now because <laughs> there is probably going to be some Transformers news in the future. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks so much for <laughs> for having a long chat with us. And before before you go, we'll just uh, get into these quick uh, rapid fire questions. These are kind of oh uh, yeah, little yes or no, either or questions that uh, we just want to get a sense of you know who you are as a as a person and a Transformers fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, just uh, yeah, I'll start off with uh, something easy: Autobot or Decepticon. Oh, I gotta go with Autobot. 
And who is your favorite Autobot? Prowl. All right. And he is getting a, a big role. I mean, he's had a role, a big role in Robots in the Skies and is continuing. Well, his body had a big role in Robots in the Skies, <laughs> but now his, uh, uh, now his mind actually gets that role. <laughs> uh, live action Transformers movie, uh, one, two, or three? Two. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to go off the, it's like if, 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 if three, uh, I don't know. If maybe five of the uh, craziest action movies teamed up with with three gross out comedies and just beat you up for three hours, uh, <laughs> uh, which I find really enjoyable. Uh, I really like that. There's a point in that movie where Shia LaBeouf is trying to do uh, is failing to have a video date with Megan Fox, and 45 minutes later, the U.S. military is invading Egypt because a pyramid is going to blow up the sun. <laughs> I, I, I like that that happens. You know. Okay, so I, I, for a moment, I was going to lose a little bit of respect for you, but if, with with a reason like that, that's a, that's okay. <laughs> um, Megan Fox or Rosie Huntington Wheatley? Uh, was, was, she was in three. Yeah, that's the one in, in three. Wow, uh, I'm going to go with Megan Fox. All right. Uh, this might not be an easy one for you. More than meets the eye or robots in disguise. <laughs> Windblade. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, third party toys. Yes or no? No. No. Okay. Uh, cats or dogs? Oh, I, I, you know, dogs. Uh, I, I, I'll have to be loyal to my dog. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Chicken or steak? Oh, I, Oof, oof, that's a tough one. Uh, uh, oof. First thing that comes to chicken, mind. Chicken, chicken, chicken. <laughs> uh, Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Burger King or McDonald's? Oh, man, I haven't gotten either one in a long time. I went to McDonald's more recently, though. All right. Uh, history or science? So, ooh, science. <laughs> All right. Uh, Xbox or PlayStation? Uh, I've uh, pass. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, the, 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 one day I played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and I realized there was a hole in my, uh, my soul, the size and shape of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> and if I had it, I would only do that from then on. So, uh, uh so it's like I, we're kindred spirits, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I write Transformers comics, uh, is because I'm not playing video games because I would just get sucked into that. <laughs> So, a uh, Call of Duty or Battlefield? Have you had a chance for those? No, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> PC or Mac? Mac. Uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone. And is there an iPhone app that you cannot live without? Uh, Twitter. Oh, okay. Uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. And who is your favorite Marvel character? Spider Man. All right. Uh, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Ooh, uh, Schwarzenegger. Scarlett Johansson or Angelina Jolie? No, oh, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Twilight or Hunger Games? Hunger Games. Pixar or DreamWorks? Pixar. Star Wars or Star Trek? Well, that's a tough one. That's a that's a that's a real tough one. I got in trouble on another podcast when I said Star Trek because I was in the middle of a. I still am, I guess, in the middle of a rewatching of all of Star Trek. Uh, but I'm also hanging on the edge of my seat on every single set photo of uh, of Star Wars. Uh, and I really hope that JJ is filming all this stuff practical and then he's going to digitally take it out and, uh, uh, redo it all with 1997 period accurate, uh, digital technology. Uh, so what gets released is the, is effectively the special edition of star Wars seven. Um, but I got, I'm in the middle of deep space nine and that's great. So I got to say star Trek right now. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Simpsons or family guy Simpsons. 
Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Oh, man, I'm so behind on both of them. Uh, I'm going to say Walking Dead, though. All right. Uh, NFL, MLB, NHL, or NBA? NHL. Oh, another hockey. <laughs> Daryl. Woo! <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Daryl. Daryl's our Canadian and also our, our <laughs> resident hockey fan. So you don't have to hold that against him, though. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's actually been winning. A lot of our guests are, are hockey fans. Oh wow! Well. Huh. It's just huh. the better sport, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Porsche, Ferrari, or Lamborghini? Oh man, I you know I'd probably say Porsche. Uh, when I was a little kid, I loved the Countach so much, partially because of Transformers and Jake Dalrymple. Uh, Yes, that's right. <laughs> Although his door is open wrong. <laughs> and the last one, blonde, brunette, or redhead? <laughs> uh, my my wife is blonde. <laughs> Smart answer. <laughs> good, good man. <laughs> All right. Thank you for going through the gauntlet. Hey, anytime. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think that's, that's the end of the interview. So uh, I guess what's the easiest way for people to get in touch with you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, the the John Barber, T H E John Barber. Um, that's probably it. Uh, I have a Facebook page that I uh, I do not check. So if uh, if you've tried to friend me and I haven't, uh, no offense. I uh, just uh, 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 I've, I just haven't gone on Facebook in a very long time. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have a link to your Twitter in our show notes, so people right, can cool. easily find that. <laughs> I don't think a friend of my dad. I think my dad got on Facebook since the last time I checked Facebook. So, <laughs> okay, friend, friend him first before you yeah. friend anybody else. <laughs> friend we request sent. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, is there anything else uh, you'd like to say before we wrap up? Well, I mean, you know, thanks for all the, the fans. I mean, I've, I've the the years I've been doing this, uh, the fans have just been really amazing. Um, I mean, I know Transformers fans are really. Um, you know, pretty hardcore fans, and it's just been—it's been fantastic getting to know everybody and and you know getting to make comics. And I'm glad you guys are liking them. I'm sorry the ones who aren't liking them aren't, but you know, oh well, um, we do our best. Uh, it's great meeting everybody at BotCon. I can't wait to see everybody. I guess it'll be a couple of days. You know, everybody makes it out to uh, Pasadena this year, and um, yeah, I hope you stop by, say hi at the IDW booth, even if um, yeah, even if you've got all the comics, feel free to swing by and say hi. Uh, nice to see everybody. I will have many for you to sign. I hope that's all okay. right. That's true too. Yeah, go ahead and do that. I'll, I should be there much of the time. So, uh, uh, yeah. So swing on by. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, I think that'll that'll wrap up the show. Uh, thanks again uh, to John Barber for coming on and and spending some time with us. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. I know you had a lot of questions you didn't actually get to. Uh, 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 I think there's no. I, I, I think the Galvatron scene uh, played out exactly the way it did in both of those books, and there's no contradiction. That's my opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll have to have another conversation about that later on. <laughs> uh, but but really, th- thanks again, John, for coming on. And uh, thanks for and, having me. And, Appreciate it. Yeah, we we will definitely have you back on whenever you can. Cool. And. Um, you know, just to, to our listeners, uh, if you enjoyed uh, this interview and you enjoy what you're doing, please don't forget to give us feedback and uh, uh, rate us on iTunes and Stitcher where we are and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Transform and roll out. Thanks for picking up our transmission. 
Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com where you can find all of our contact info on social media and links to all of our show notes discussed in each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.